I am unashamed. What about you? So Jeff's coming in. We're doing we're doing some interviews about what we did. Mm-hmm. So Kay took that to mean, oh, it's a go. It's no, still <laughs> we're still in a holding pattern with the show. Nobody has said. Mom yeah. is the she is the queen of fake news, but not the malicious Down here, kind. right? Yeah, not the malicious <laughs> kind that Trump talks about. It's the her fake news is because she hears something and then in her mind she creates the news story. And then it comes down to me, and I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not the way it's going to work. I what said, did she look. tell you? Well, well, she was just telling me what was fixing to happen, and I said, I, I don't think you're quite in tune with the powers that be. And she said, well, at least I have all my facilities together. I said, you have all your facilities. I said, faculty? that would be faculties. Faculty? She was like, Facu- faculty? <laughs> She laughed, you know. Uh, <laughs> so she, anytime that happens. I like a happy woman when she butchers the English language. I said, honey, I don't, our facilities are like where you live here. These are the facilities where Are you I'm looking here. around? The faculties are, are in here. You, Phil, she was like, oh, really? I said, yeah. Phil, were you looking around at the facilities to see what she was talking about? Or did you she does have a lot of facilities. Did you immediately she know she means faculty? I just wanted to, in a kind way, show her that. There's a difference between <laughs> facilities, meaning your brain power, and these tangents that she gets in on. I said, look, honey, your faculties are, is what you need to work on, not your facilities. But well, look, as soon as, well, Dad, every time this happens, as soon as it happens, she calls me. Like, y'all are, the laughter is just dying down. She calls me and says, you're not going to believe what I just said. Let me explain something to you <laughs> right now. Y'all are young bucks. You're young. Phil, we're not, we're not young. young. I know we're, it. You're we're young. younger than you. But you're in your 50s. I'm just showing you what's coming in, 40s. The, in the future. When you're women, there'll be some point where when they come in and they start on whatever they're starting in on, you're going to have to develop the quality of being able to the audio's still there, but I've turned it off. I, 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 it's like talking to a, to an oak tree. It's not it's not computing, but you got to learn to live with it, grin, and say, "What's for dinner?" You have a mute button for your wife. You just mute her. That's but it's unseen. That's right. I have trained my mute button so I can shut off children screaming. We need a counselor. We need a marriage counselor to see if he can. We can find somebody. What's that sponsor we got that does the counseling? We need to get yeah, them faithful involved. counseling. That's right. I don't know though. It actually sounds like a pretty good plan. Well, it's to like me. when the, when the uh, law officers are trying to get a warrant. You know, you need a judge to sign off. We need a marriage counselor to sign off on that film. Well, I think it's what I've developed the art of two sentences in. Especially if you're if it's your woman of fifty to sixty years, you've been running with <laughs> two sentences in. I say, okay, mute button coming up. <laughs> Bom, Does not compute. You, you have to keep in mind, though, where, where she may lack in some areas. Let me tell you one area she's never failed to, to forget on and, and uh, or never failed to remember, which is when is payday. She's very she's on top of payday. She'll call me two days <laughs> in advance. Right. She monitors we that. Paid this, we get paid this month. She, she's got that down. Dad used and to most s- of the time, it's I need to know how much we're getting because I'm giving away a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Well, she, you know, her family ran a store. Her maiden name is Caraway. 
And so the running joke for the last 50 years of my life for dad is you know, there's that caraway coming out at her. Cause yeah. you know, she, <coughs> she is aware of the financial uh, goings on and look, Zach, I have to get asked three times. I'm like, call Zach. Cause she's asking me, but I don't keep up with that. How much money? She, the question is, how much money do you think she's, she's poured out? And, and I all I have to say is more than I can make. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. That made true. me think of one of her great qualities is that when she meets people, she treats everyone with the utmost respect, yep. no matter whether yeah. they're a janitor, a cook in the back, yeah. or a lawyer. It, it, you get the equal treat. Would you agree? Look, we have a, we have a group of individuals that we meet with on Sunday morning. Some dude came up and then got in trouble with the law, but he needed twenty dollars. And I said, I said, see that big, see that girl with that big hat on. I said, see, see right back there. And he looked back there. You know, Miss K was sitting there. You know, and look. So she said, I, I said during the sermon, I said, by the way, Miss K, there's somebody looking for twenty dollars. I didn't give him the twenty dollars because I didn't know quite for sure what it was for. She said. That's already, she's in the audience. I've already taken care of that. It was two of them, $20 a piece. And I said, all right, good enough. And then the sermon continued. I know that's the way you operate with your woman. Yeah. Well, no. Well, look, but, I'll, tell, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a perfect that story that, that highlights mom's quality that you mentioned, Jase. We were staying at the, uh, we were doing a, something in New York. And so whenever we have to go, we like we stay in the Trump Hotel. We always did even before Trump was president because we like his hotel. Is this the one I was escorted out of? It, it, well, it is. It's okay. a different trip, but yeah, same hotel. And uh, it faces Central Park. And it's just, I don't know, we're comfortable there. You had but, to bring that up because that's where he took me. Yeah. He led me to Central, Central Park. Park. I know it. I by know. the way, by the way, while we're there. We're not really you, anywhere, but go yeah, ahead. When you're working with the human race, <clears throat> just remember this. Jesus said... The poor and the downtrodden will always be there. Help them. Somebody says, well, you, you shouldn't be generous to people because they'll misuse the funding that you're going to give them. They're trying to con you. In some cases, that's the truth. But here's the key. If you're generous, what they do with your generosity is up to them. You give them the word, fear God, love your neighbor. Yes, I will help you out. You have done a good deed. What they do with the money, whether they take it and go get high or drunk, is on them. You True. were kind and you were generous and you overlook the ones that just slick you. That is true, but you, by you saying learned, that, you learn to live with that, or you'll never help anyone. Well, that's true, but you will draw every con man in the world. <laughs> well, you get a few of those. Thing. You get yeah. a few of those. So, so we're at the Trump and. I go by to pick up mom and dad because I'm kind <clears> of <throat> getting them where we're supposed to go. And mom said, oh, come here. I want you to meet my new best friend. And so we so we walk across the hall to another room, not even mom's room, and the door is open, and there's a woman in there cleaning the room. And she said, this is Lily, my new best friend. And she goes over, and hu they hug you know, and then she said, "This is my oldest son, Alan." And yeah, she I'm starts always fascinated by how she's gotten to the hugging stage. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. In I mean, such a short I, I just, time. but in the moment, and the and the woman, but you could tell what what I loved about it was is that this woman 
is around famous people in this hotel all the time because we've seen a lot of them there. And she speaks broken English. Broken English. And and yet mom made her feel like she was the most important person in the world. That's right. and, and I could tell that woman, what she did for her in that moment was something she'll never forget. You know, because I'm sure she's been mistreated. I'm sure she's been yelled at, cursed mm-hmm. at. And so to me, it was like that encapsulates mom. That's her. Because yep. she made mm-hmm. this little, you know, um, immigrant woman, you know, feel special and, and feel like she was the most important when person. When it comes to hotel. tipping, I don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> because trust me, I've got a woman of 50, 60 years. I've been running with her. Tips are in with her. If you're a waitress and you come over there, she says, you're working so hard. Look out because she's in her bill for Well, that's the story I was going to tell when I was in Missouri on this trip. Because you know how now there's this something going on in our world now where we there's not enough workers. I mean, there's restaurants have been closed off and on because they can't find people to work. Because the government's been sending them a bunch of money. Yeah. So... I mean, it's become an issue. And uh, so when I was on this trip, well, the hotel I was staying at, when I was leaving, I was headed. We we did the event the night before, but this was an obscure place. We live in an obscure place, so I had to stay the night then fly out the next morning. Well, when I was waiting on the elevator, this woman comes out of nowhere like a whirlwind. She's wiping down the walls. I mean, she had the little uniform on. She's working there. But she was working like... In a, in a way that was so grand. I mean, it was as fast and as hard as, as humanly possible. And nobody was watching. I mean, except me, but she just come in front of me. She actually hit the button for the elevator because she was you know, on her way by. Yeah. I was like, perfect, this woman. I mean, she's a whirlwind, you know? <laughs> so she came back behind me. I was like, hey. And she looked up at me. Of course, you know, it's we're, we got masks on, you know, in the hotel. I said, I just want to tell you, you are one of the greatest workers I've ever seen. Well done. <laughs> but she just, it's like she she did I put her in a trance, you know. It was like, <laughs> what what are we what are we doing? She'd probably never been complimented no. for her work. I said, Well, look, I said, my mom, who is the best part of our family, I said, she taught me at a young age to you know, to be sociable and to acknowledge, you know, people in their in their work. I I was trying to because I was like, she she probably thinks, because I thought maybe she's looking at me like a threat because I'm making conversation. Mm-hmm. You forget how you look. And uh and she was like, Oh, that's that that that's that's a great quality and you know, this and that. So I get on the elevator, I'm thinking that's the end of it. Well, when I get down to the bottom and open it, she's standing there. And I thought, did she run down the stairs? <laughs> And she said, you know who you look like? And I was like, who's that? She said, there was a guy, uh, there was some some guys that my husband used to watch on TV. <laughs> I said, well, you, you did it because I'm one of those guys. She's like, what are you doing here? You know, my husband, you know, he just wouldn't believe it. And I was like, well, I came up here to share Jesus with these people. She was like, really? I mean, she's like, well, what, what are y'all doing now? After the show, I said, "This is what we're. Do- this is it. <laughs> this is what we do. This this is what we talking do. to you." And uh, so she's like, "Well, can we take a picture?" Because my husband's not going to believe it. And uh, I said, 
well, what does your husband do? And she said, well, he works in a cemetery. I said, oh. I said, so he's a believer. Because <laughs> I just, I don't know why I made that connect. I was talking about Jesus. And she was like, what do you do? I was like, he's believing. She's like, no. I said, he's working in a cemetery and he doesn't know about Jesus? And she's like, I mean, should he? I said, should he? What? And so I launched into the conversation. Well, how are you going to come back? From the dead. I said, well, how does he treat you? She's like, not as good as he should. I said, well, we fixed to fix that right now. She's you like, turned what? into an elevator counselor. <laughs> oh, it, well, it just went into a, a Jesus proclamation. Then, it, then I told her, I was like, well, we actually have this podcast. She's like, podcast? And she's like, I mean, how much does it cost? It's free. She's like, free? It's free? <laughs> and she's like, and I can get my husband to act better? I said, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. I was like, if you're wondering. I said, and if if Jesus comes back while he's working, it will be the greatest show on That's earth. Exactly. He has the front row seat, That's right. but he doesn't even have the ticket. He's going to be shocked. Yeah. I was like, you know, and I actually use that because I use that line in my speech. I say, there's two kinds of people. Those who are ready for when he comes back and those who will be surprised. You don't be working in a graveyard That's and right. then you're surprised when the ground starts moving. That's right. I was like, you want to say, okay, this is what I do this job for. Because it sure as heck ain't for the money. I can't tell you how many times. I, used to, I live right next door to Roselawn, which is one of our big cemeteries here locally, for about 16 years. And I did a lot of graveside services in there, including some of our family. But I, every time I would always say the same thing. At the resurrection, we this place is going to be amazing. Exactly. I mean, and look, this is where I want to be because that's where all my mentors are. And I, this is going to be the place I want to come and head out because I know all these people. We're going we're gonna to go on a massive ride. But I brought that up because if mom wasn't like that, I, you know, I could have just gotten the elevator. And never said a word, but it actually launched into what I thought was a God moment on it the was. trip. And then, yeah, sure. when that moment happens, always remember there'll be two kinds of crowds. A little bitty crowd is going to be running toward him. A huge crowd is going to be running the other way. <laughs> That's true. Good point. That's a good point. Let's take good a break. Point. So, Zach, you still holding on to all your hair? Unless you're like me, you wear a lot of hats. You got, got any thinning spots there? Yeah, it's 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 moving backwards, moving backwards. Someone told me recently, Zach, that it's you're really not losing your hair; your forehead's just growing. I said, "Well, growing to a five head. It's moving <laughs> from a forehead to a five head." There you go. Well, one of the things that uh, one of our sponsors, our long-term sponsors, does is uh, try to help you keep your hair when you begin to lose it. They can't do anything once it's gone, but when you start losing it, their product can help you keep it. Uh, they've got more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Hundreds of thousands of guys have trusted Keeps for their hair loss prevention. So you might want to check these guys out. If you're starting to lose it, they'll ship it straight to your door. Uh, you go to their website. They're going to you know, give you some information and, and get checked out with the doctor. Make sure you can take the product. Keeps.com slash door. And you get 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's Keeps dot com slash door hang on to your hair yeah that's what that's what first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians say right I mean 
That's going to be a great moment or a terrible moment, depending on where you are. Well, hopefully, well, Jason, that'll open the door for this. Oh, I love it. You know, you can I, spot them right then because the the godly will be running toward him, and the ungodly will be trying to run away and hide. Yeah, but, but you know, no it also is a lesson in character. I mean, this woman, who knows? You know, I, I mean, I, I barely met her, but I'm that that quality of character of being a hard worker. It just comes out. Yeah, it it trumps. You know, wasn't wasn't that uh, Martin Luther King that said it's not the color of the skin that matters; it's the quality of the, the character. character. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, he was right as a believer. He, I mean, he was right. Yeah, he was right. Because in that moment, I was like, "Man, what what a woman here!" Right. You know, it was impressive. Yeah. Well, and then it, I think God led the led the encounter. Some said, woman told me yesterday what well, she just after the. After the we met together, I think to walk out the door, you know, she, she ran up to me. She said, "This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me." I just want to let you know. She said, "I'll be here every time." I said, "Hey, glad, welcome aboard, girl." Yeah, no, but you're right, Jason. A lot of it goes to how you come up. You know, we all worked hard. I mean, I had a lot of jobs around town. One of them was sacking groceries for probably a year when I was in high school, and you know, every time a kid takes my groceries out to my truck now, I always tip them. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is because I remember what it was like 40 years ago to be that kid. Yeah. You know, most people are not going to do it, but I'm thinking I still remember what that meant for somebody to slip me, you know, a little bit of cash that was a little extra. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, just for doing that work, you know. So <clears throat> I think that's a kind of well, I waited tables at uh, I waited tables at Bennigan's when it first opened up in West Monroe, and I'm sitting in there, and uh, I was pretty good waiter, and but you know you, you get a big tip, you remember it, and all of a sudden Willie comes in and asks to sit at my table. So I'm like, oh, great. Oh, where's this going? Of course he's, I know where this oh, is going. He, I mean, he's like running me ragged. All he orders is like a diet coke and like a like a chips and salsa or something. He's just more chips, more salsa. He's just the whole time. It's just, it's just Willie. He's by himself. He came out to torture you. That's why he, he goes to a restaurant by themselves anyway. <laughs> Willie. No, that's my point. He's a, it was so uh, it's horrible. So then, so he's running me the whole time. Well, then he, I, I go to the back. I come back and he's gone at the end of the dinner. And he's, and you know how they got those black um, folders that they put the credit cards in. Yep. And you put the bill the bill in at the at the restaurant. So it's one of those things. But it's like I look. It's like wide open, like like Pac Man's mouth. You know. <laughs> And I look in there, and he's got pennies and dollar bills. I mean, he's got about $150 of just change into a huge ball that he shoved into this. <laughs> so, so it was worth it, but I had to unfold every dollar bill. I had to get the I mean, it was, it, it was a great tip, but I probably spent you know a lot of time earning that, trying to get it fit in my billfold. Well, Zach, I don't know if you knew this, but on the the I think it was the last time we had Willie on the podcast. It was Jace's birthday, and he gave him fifty fifty dollar bills. Fifty fifty dollar bills, and he had them all. He had Sorry. taken every one, or somebody had, and put them in little individual wrappers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure his one of his minions, minions did that, but it was hey, I'm not knocking him. <laughs> Mine and his relationship right? was repaired in that moment. <laughs> 
So this misnomer that money can't repair anything. I tried to plant the seed that we would have him back on on my birthday yeah. and a hundred hundred dollar bills I found would, would a new be an kind even of better man. gift. I found a new kind yeah. of man and he's generous and guess what? He's my brother. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's funny, Zach. I never heard that story, but that's that's very classic, Willie. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's a good one. That's what he does. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take some of those. I still have a few of those in the envelope still because it's kind of <laughs> the yeah, first pretty tight picture. Well, how long ago was this? The problem like is when happened. you give somebody an envelope with they they have some kind of glue on it when they glued it. Well, you can't get the. I mean, he probably did it on purpose, kind of like you, because you can't get the 50 out. So oh, I, the first two I, I ripped open the envelope, it. I ripped the 50. Oh, my word. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. And, I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to tape this back together. So I've just, like, I basically re-gift them what's for fun- various things. What's funny is we, uh, years ago, Mom had the idea, I mean, this is a long time ago, that she was going to give us all a $50 bill for Christmas. Because she always gives us money at Christmas, even now, which is so funny. But so she put the fifty dollar bill in there. Where somebody got their their card got swept up in all the trash from the wrapping I paper. It was you? No. Maybe me, yeah. Yeah. And so you. and it got burned up because they somebody had the big idea. Let's burn all this tonight. And that's against the law to burn the money. Yeah, I think well, it's a lot of money. It was probably it Willie. It was probably Willie that did it because yeah. he's a little pyromaniac. So they burned a fifty dollar bill. Well, mom just. It was like you had just, you know, stolen money from her. I mean, she could not get over it. And so that's been 25 years ago. She never has given cash since, only checks. Yeah. yeah. She changed her policy because that way if that check gets burned up, we hadn't lost the thing. But that's been a 25 <laughs> or 30-year policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of loses its luster, though. You know, Phil and Phil and Mom, they'd always anytime they wanted to get you to do something, there was always a crisp one hundred dollar bill involved. And That's they, right. The way they would describe it, you're like, oh, it's crisp, as if it's worth more money if it's crisp. But, That's yeah. right. How many times have you been told that, Jason? If you this happens, you'll uh, that is one crisp yep. hundred dollar bill. But the actual payoff <laughs> happened. Maybe ten percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I did get the that. Hun- was the, that was the genius of it. That whatever yeah. the thing was, it That's was right. so big. You're never going to accomplish it. So they knew. I yeah. did one day. Yeah. We were the last day of duck season. It was uh, now that I think back, it was a pretty slow year because we had like six hundred and ninety ducks that year. And so the thing was, we got to get to seven hundred. And then Dad said, and we were kind of doing a divide and conquer hunt where we just kind of spread across the property. But it was whoever kills the 700th duck gets a crisp $100 bill. Of course, we laughed because we thought, oh, yeah, $100 bill. And then we spread out. So then we're having to text back and forth. You hear boom, boom, boom. It's like, all right, what was that? So we're having somebody's got to keep a running tally to know who actually got 700. And wouldn't you know that the least hunter, me, killed two mallard drakes, and one of them was number 700, and I had to cross a deep, trench i got water all my waiters but when i got back gonna get that i duck. was gonna get that duck it was worth a hundred dollars <throat> and no, i did I remember because you were i said don't do that and y'all did it it was dangerous i said don't yeah i said don't do did that did you get paid 
I, I got paid. We all came back. Well, he here. risked his life for I did the hundred dollar bill. $100. It was his Esau moment. That's why you have to be careful. Because <laughs> I said, "Don't cross that ditch." But Zach, just... the human race, being what it is, after our audience has heard this conversation, you have a big bulk of letters coming. I'm in a bind. Get me out of it. I don't want but twenty five thousand. I got on drugs, and I just I don't know what I was doing. But all the money's gone. If you'll give me the twenty five thousand, which is not that much if you think about it, <laughs> I get letters I like that what you have. all the time. But well, there's going to be a plethora of letters now. I may uh, I may go back to the Willie line when the when the guy came up to him at church and said God told me to tell you. God told me you were going to give me fifty thousand dollars to seed my business. I think yep. it was Willie. Once. Yeah, it was Willie. And he said, "He said, uh, well, well, he should have, he should have told me and skipped the middleman." <laughs> 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 I can't tell you how many business meetings we've been in the past where that was exactly what was said. Willie said, "Well, I'm still waiting for him to tell me about how to do this." So it's actually a good line. Pretty good. Let's take another break. I think all four of us can probably say that through the years, we've probably provided a lot and received a lot of wise counsel uh, from other experienced people. In my case, um, I went to professional counseling, a, a wonderful Christian lady here locally who really helped Lisa and I sort of, you know, put us back together and uh, and be a guide. Because I always say a good counselor is a good guide. One of our sponsors uh, is a group called Faithful Counseling. And what they provide is the ability to be able to get counseling online because it's not always easy in, in different communities to find a good counselor and especially to find a Christian counselor that has a you know faith worldview. Uh, they have th- over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists all across the U.S. You can do text, chat, phone, video. Um, so and within 24 hours, you can be talking to someone, which I know when you need it, you need it usually sooner rather than later. So check these guys out. If you have a counseling need, it's called faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire. They're going to assess your needs, and then they're going to match you with a counselor that you'll love. So check them out. So we're in uh, Matthew 10, kind of just wrapping that up. And um, I think it was really good because it was kind of a mission, as we talked about last time, to the disciples. And yesterday, Jace, was our One Kingdom Sunday at WFR. And the name of our Ryan Lee was kind of in charge. Uh, he's one of, he's a worship leader, but he's also the director of One Kingdom. So once a year, we have basically a day where we just talk about missions and what we're trying to do and what we're doing around the world. And then everything that's contributed that day goes to – that, that our mission ministry. And yeah. uh, I know you're going to be going uh, to Greece uh, pretty soon. I am. I'll give you a report. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to hear about that because that's one of our best works is what's happening there with a guy named Larry Bowles. But our, we called it Speak Jesus, and the idea was is that Mike and I started out, we have to hear the words of Jesus first. In other words, Jesus speaks to us. And then in turn, we go and speak Jesus to other people. And I think that's exactly what you see in Matthew 10 is the words of Jesus. Because I mentioned this before, Mark and Luke, when they're telling this story, they don't go into it near as much detail as Matthew does. They they just had one little section of this. So for whatever reason, I think Matthew thought it was important that in his recording of this speech that Jesus gives to his disciples, that they understood that, look, 
this is not going to be easy. When you speak Jesus, I mean, it, it, all men will hate you because of me. Yeah. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's a pretty bold statement that all men will hate you because of me. Right. Well, and then he also Not said, a whole he, lot has changed since then. He who Correct. receives you receives me. That's Matthew 10, 40. He, he who receives me receives the one who sent me, which I like that. You know, Jesus came representing God the Father, and we represent Jesus who represents God the Father. That's the trickle down on yeah. being public for Jesus. Yeah, and that's how we kind of split up our sermon. Jesus speaks, and then we speak to other people. And so that's kind of the and concept. there are many there. cases in America right now, if you looked at it, back then a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. It, oh. bre- it, it, it actually, because of Jesus, it breaks up because you have one follower of Jesus and, a, and one who is disdain, just, just hates it. This thing about, you know, get that Bible out of my face. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, well, even within a family structure, it's broken up in many homes. Right. What I was shocked about in Matthew 11 was that how we get it wrong, how we, and I mean we as humanity, it's kind of our narrative on what we think Jesus should be like and who Jesus is, you know, right. in, in, in his narrative. Because really... Of all people, you would think John the Baptist would never ask a question like he asked. And and if I just read it, it, it you know, in chapter eleven, verse one, after Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to preach and teach in the towns of Galilee. Which is another transition. You know, you can right. see his transition to the next thing. When John heard in prison, which is interesting, I'm not even sure how he heard that in prison, what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? It's a strange question. It is a strange question. Because you would think, well, weren't, weren't, weren't you the one who, were, who was going to prepare the way? But I think this, now y'all can tell me what y'all think. I think he asked that because he had it in his mind. His narrative was that this is fiery judgment. We're taking, taking over the world. And then when you look at his speeches and what he's doing and blessed are the meek and the poor in spirit and we're going to help others and be compassionate, well, he's like, are you the one or is this or somebody else coming? Where's the fire? Yep. Where, where's the... Where's uh, the vengeance? Well, yeah. Where, when are we taking over the world? I'm in prison. Yeah. And you're talking about being compassionate and being persecuted and turning the other cheek and... I mean, I don't know what y'all thought thoughts on on that. No, I agree a hundred percent. And I think just like all the disciples who were with Jesus for three years missed the big picture. They understood about Messiah, they understood about Son of God, but they didn't understand about the kingdom. And they didn't because they were all thinking physical kingdom. And I think you're right, Jace. I think the question I think two uh, way I've always said is two ways. One is that John didn't quite understand that. He's still thinking yeah. physical Israel. The second thing was, I, I really, to me, it shows the humanity of any of us. John's stuck in prison. By the way, you, you can read about John, I mean, in Matthew 14, on why he was in prison. The reason he was there is because he called out the king about his relationship, which was an adulterous relationship. And so that's why yeah, he got uh, thrown. So yeah. in other words, he wasn't afraid. I mean, if he spoke that much truth yeah. to power, but... 
I think in that moment, he thought everything I'm expecting, you're right, those words that came from the sermon, which he, somebody must have repeated to him, he said, mm-hmm. this is not what I expected. Yeah. It's it's the same thing that, that Peter did. In the, you know, you remember in the garden, right? When they came in, yeah, he's like, okay, let's roll. It's time to fight. And so he pulls the sword out. He cuts off the soldier's ear. I, I would I would rephrase it, though. I don't know if I would say it's, it's not necessarily the physical because the kingdom is physical, because we're physical, and we are the kingdom, so it is physical. I think that what they, were, I think it was I meant physical power. as in a place over in the over well, on the planet. Yeah. By the way, right. by the way, conquering, you, but kingdom, they're thinking uh, conquer. You, what do kingdoms do? Right. Yeah, they, you move in, you destroy the village, you take all their plunder, and you move on. That's right. Well, Jesus' answer to that was go back and report to John what you hear and see. Make sure you tell him this. Hey, John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And he said, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Then Jesus goes through this thing, I'll tell you the truth, and he said, look, who'd you, who'd you go out to see, a prophet? He said, I tell you more than a prophet. And he talked about no one greater than John the Baptist, yet who's least in the kingdom is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing. Which is my point. They didn't think it was. All the prophets prophesied about him, and if you're willing to accept it, he's the Elijah who was to come, he who has ears, let him hear. So he clarifies the whole thing on the role of John the Baptist and, and, and lining him out on what's going down. Yeah. The one the one you are representing is here on the earth, and, and the kingdom is coming forcefully. Yeah. Let's take another break. Yeah, my, my point is is that the, what what they're missing is the power dynamic. So you, you see the same thing today with with people in the church, like they they think that this thing is coming with power, and they're obsessed with this power dynamic. You see it right now with this debate on um, like the whole critical theory and critical race. It's about power dynamics and who's an oppressor and who's oppressed, and and we got to take power back, and it's an obsession with power. And then right in the middle of all of that is the gospel, who is this powerful God who empties himself and becomes human flesh. Philippians chapter 2, it's the, he made himself nothing. Uh, God takes on and becomes a servant. He, you know, the, the first shall be last. And I, I, it's, it's, so what the gospel is doing and the, and the kingdom, the kingdom is a total, dist- I mean, it, is a, it just obliterates humanistic power structures because what, what the kingdom is, it's flowing from who God is who is all-powerful, yet doesn't necessarily uh, uh, use that as his mechanism. He uses humility in the incarnation through of Jesus. I mean, you think about the gospel itself as the supreme, powerful creator allowed humans to get their hands on him and kill him. Yeah. Well, that kind of, that's a weird power dynamic, <laughs> and, right? And twice during, during all of this in 11 and 12, Jesus said, I think he did at least twice, I tell you that it would be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. He brings up Sodom and Gomorrah a couple of times, which they're, they're saying, Where, where's all this? There's a lot of punishment coming in with all this for the ones who reject Jesus. 
He inserts that. But that's a later. Times. But that's late. But he was saying that's later. I mean, you got to remember when he said report what you see and hear. Well, they had heard, they'd already had this cricket sermon, the manifesto and the Sermon on the Mountain, because mm-hmm. they're all gathered around like, we're going to take over the world. He's the Messiah. Yeah, what's our game plan? And then he comes up with stuff like this. You've heard that you're supposed to love your neighbor, and I'm sure everybody's like, hey, man, you know, hallelujah. And then he's like, well, I say you love your enemy. Well, wait a minute here. I thought we were here to conquer the enemy. To destroy him. We're, what? Love him? <laughs> what? And then even stuff like about the treasures, don't store up for yourself treasures. That goes against everything a military invasion and conquering. You you take their treasures. They're like, don't worry about it. And then he gets it. Don't worry about what you eat or what you wear or where you're going to sleep. Well, all of a sudden, it, this becomes a cricket sermon. Right. You're like, where's the power in this? We're going to be a bunch of wandering gypsies going around helping people that have things wrong with them. That's why he was talking about helping the blind and the poor. I mean, it just was not appealing. And I think that's why John said, I mean, is there somebody else coming? Right. Well, why did, what they, think about is why, why did they reject Jesus in, in, in this Matthew 11? What they basically saw who he was hanging out with in Matthew 11, 16, uh, 11, 16 and on, it says, uh, when John the Baptist came eating, nor, he wasn't eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. But when they saw the Son of Man, he's hanging out, and he's eating and drinking with people. Drinking, he's drinking alcohol, and they said, "Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." So they're looking at Jesus, and they're saying, "If he like, that's not the that's not how he should come. He should come exactly. as as sitting on the throne. He should he shouldn't come hanging out with these people." But I yeah. love this next line, wisdom. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. In other words, look at what he did. What did he do? He helped people. Exactly. They didn't see that. They thought he came to conquer people. He's like, no, I came to help people and give them life that they might live it abundantly. Yeah, before we throw the culture under the bus, because usually people say the culture got it wrong. Well, John the Baptist had it wrong. I mean, in a moment of weakness. He did. (laughs) Because it was hard for him to digest these principles. The Pharisees got it wrong. The religious leaders, his followers got it wrong. The culture had it wrong. And look, in modern day, we get it wrong. That you miss Jesus. Uh, more than that, for the same reasons. Same reasons. They say, it, Jesus. it doesn't. What people do in our world is they have a picture of how they think the kingdom of God should look like. And then they go here and try to fit this into that narrative which is easy yeah. to do with the Bible. You can basically come up with any idea, as crazy as it sounds, and find obscure, out-of-context out passages and build a case for it. And there'll be people who say, yeah, especially if, it's, if it pleases yourself. Right. Or, or, you know, if, if you have selfish motives in whatever the venture How many is. times have you heard, well, y'all are just using this as a crutch, and we say... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I've had people say, I can't believe that you think, you know, this wine that Jesus turned water into wine was actually, you know, alcohol. Now, because now you say, well, why would somebody say that? Because his narrative of what the son of God was like, that doesn't fit. But we have a we have red letters that seem like that's what went down. 
Well, then you have another supporting passage that says, and this is him speaking of himself, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard. Well, how do you get a reputation for being a drunkard if you never drank? When you said you did. You yeah, see? That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty clear. But <laughs> I, I think it, it also shows you how difficult it is for people. Once you got your mind made up that something's going to be a certain way, Jesus, that's the whole point of this whole thing, is that he's coming in and completely turning this thing upside down. There was a little passage, I want to go back to it, because we didn't discuss it. We were in Matthew 9, verse 14. But I think it sort of shows you how some of this support that Jesus had sort of unraveled. You remember in verse 14, John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast? So now it's John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees together, but your disciples do not fast. I mean, I don't, that's criticism. I mean, he's criticizing Jesus. Jesus said, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. In other words, you're not understanding the plan here. But then he says something even more amazing. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So one is it's another reference to wine, but... What he's saying is, is I'm giving you something completely new in me. But even John and his disciples and everybody else had a hard time wrapping their mind about exactly what that was. I mean, that's how clear it is. John recorded yeah. even after the resurrection, said they still did not understand that Jesus had to be raised from the dead. Right. They just couldn't. Yeah. And right now, to, to tell anybody this, especially learned people, they would say, do you actually believe that a dead man died and three days later was raised from the dead? You say, if it's written, that's what I believe. Let's take our last break. That's exactly right. I, I want to say something about this because I think what what's missed, because if you think about this statement Jesus said, which I, because this is the point. When he said, among those born of a woman, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So, which flies in the face of every narrative on what religious people think you should look like. Because he had animal skins, he lived in the woods, he was, he looked crazy, he was real bold in, in his sermons. He, he yeah. looked like you, Jace. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then he makes this statement, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So for years I was wondering, what, what did he mean by that? He just said he was the greatest human ever. And then he's like, but whoever's least in the kingdom, well, then it, it finally hit me one day that he was missing what John was missing by asking that question is what's coming. This kingdom is at hand. You don't realize what people are fixing to get who are, who are in this kingdom. They're going to get the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in them, mm -hmm. which the least one that has that, I mean, he may be a pinky in the body of Christ, because we have pinkies and pinky toes. Toenails. Member, yeah, and toenail members, but hey, they're in. They're greater because of 
what's fixing to happen, the sport, the spirit, because we know how this is transitioning. But I think it's a key verse for people who don't think the kingdom has been established, because why would he make a statement like that? I don't see how it makes sense any other way. Besides that comparison. Because what happens is it still sort of misses the whole big point of why he came, which you have to keep going back to that. And again, that's The path to immortality is a winding road. That's right. To me, it compares to me. It's like my assistant does all this work. I mean, for months, lining up, planning these events. But she has no idea what I'm going to say. And most of the time, she's not even there for the speech. I mean, she's just working, 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 working. I I know nothing about that. So then when the event, by the time the event comes together and I'm going out there, well, she's not even, she's not even a part of it. Her her work is done. Yeah, she's missed the the moment here, you know. (laughs) To me, I, I thought about it like that. Didn't mean what she didn't do was important. You had to have it. And it was for a reason. But for her to try to then understand what I'm doing in this moment, well, she's going to have to come out here and sit down and listen and watch. That's a great so. analogy. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I always think about with John the Baptist and this question in particular, because remember, he he came in the spirit of Elijah. In other words, it was that sort of prophet. That's who he was. And I always think back to that First Kings 19 after Mount Carmel and Elijah had this great victory, but the king and queen still weren't convinced, which was, he was crushed. And in that moment, he went out and sat down under a tree and said, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm, I give up. Just take me on to be with you right now, because obviously I can't convince these people to believe in you and trust you. So he had the same moment to me in that moment that John the Baptist had sitting in that jail cell which shows you how hard it is, even for people like this with their character and their faith and all that, to still struggle. This is not working out good for me. It's exactly right. Hmm. I mean, it gives me a lot of hope when I have doubts or when I struggle because I'm like, hey, if John the Baptist and Elijah struggled with you know really trusting in the moment, why, why would I not struggle? But it also makes me us realize that don't get a narrative in your mind Correct. and make up your mind about you, you got to be open. To that's see, right. and this is God's work, not not ours. Right. And I mean, that, I think that's the point he's giving. If you just base this on what you physically see, Jesus or John the Baptist, no way you're getting in on this. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You walk up and see a guy sitting at a party, and they're like, there's the son of God over there. He's sitting in there. He's not doing anything wrong, but, boy, he's right up on the line. I'm not sure what kind of example this is setting. You know, There's no way you're following that. You're like, no, this is not what, what we want to do. We want to take over the world. But in actually, in actuality, Jesus did take over the world. Yeah. And it is, it, we are the most powerful people on the planet. It was just not the way we can see it or would have done it. But don't you love the way yeah. Jesus defends John ultimately at the end and his character because he ultimately says, "Hey, there's no one greater than this guy. I yeah, mean, he, he right. he's amazing. He's wonderful." But then, to your point, Jesus is like, "But look, that's the beauty of this kingdom, is that even the least will be greater than he. This is, I mean, he came to do. Even though he may be having some moments, he still is the man." Yeah, it was actually a hint of what he's it like. Really is. What what's fixing to happen is way greater than anything that has happened. Which ultimately, it's him dying, being buried, being raised, people surrendering that. The evil one's defeated. We have the Holy Spirit. And he allowed John to be slaughtered. Yeah. 
That's right. Yeah. He didn't get, he didn't, by the way, he didn't get out of jail. Your gig's up. That's right. He, with his head attached to the rest of it. I mean, he, he, he died there as a martyr. He was really the first martyr through this process. Oh, yeah. Because of his, how strong he was. Well, you see that. And, I, and I, immortality was his. That's exactly right. I mean, we're going to get to it, but in the next chapter in 12, we won't, we don't have to get into it in depth. But he makes the same analogy when in verse 39 when he's like, this wicked and adulterous generation that asked for a miraculous sign. Well, you would think just because you asked for a miracle, why would why is that so upsetting to, to Jesus? I mean, he's like, Did they you wicked. Adult. I mean, if you if you went to a church bell and asked for a miracle, they'd say, we'll see what we can do. But they wouldn't say, well, you wicked adultery. How dare you come in here and ask for a miracle? But his point was, and he gave this analogy about the sign of Jonah. Well, what was the whole thing about? It was all a, it was an illustration to show that one day he would die, be buried, and, and raised like Jonah got swallowed With by the a three fish. Days, yeah. Well, that doesn't fit any narrative on any planet in any culture you're like, oh, so you're going to be like a guy one time that got swallowed by a fish and then three days later got spit out? They laugh. They're like, how about just give us the miracle? Yeah. He's like, no. What they're saying is, is they want, they're saying, give us the, your, well, they want to consume the merit of Christ or the miracles of Christ or, or the whatever power. the thing yeah. is, or the power of Christ. Yeah, that's right. And they're like, what, what they're saying is, we want to be autonomous, but we want all your all your benefits. So we want the benefits of you without you, and yeah. and that's I think that's the thing that Jesus like you're missing the whole thing then because I may I am the prize. It's yeah. not eternal mm-hmm. life autonomously on your own. It's life with me inside the inner life of God with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's it. That's heaven. That's Which is my point. My foundational point though is if you want to miss Jesus, whether you're in the church or outside of it, come up with a narrative that's not His. And then try to make it fit. You, you, you know, you can be wrong about something because I'm I've been wrong on issues ever since I've been in Jesus. I mean, you because you read and study, and then you're like, oh, you know what? I think I was wrong about that. But there's some openness that has come to my character because of that. Because I realize this is not about me trying to fit God into my world. Right. That's just the wrong way to look at it. Where it's comfortable. Because a lot of what he's asking you to do in your character and surrender is very uncomfortable. Yep. You know, I always thought about this section, and we'll close with this, is that this is what this is. Jesus has, up until this point, has been very popular. People are following him. A lot of people are questioning him. And then all of a sudden, when you really start to get into why he came and what he's saying— Opposition is rising and ravaging wolves. And I think it had something to do with that sermon on the mountain. I do too. Look, I'm telling you, it was a cricket sermon. And that's what I always said about us. You know, we we created a lot of opposition. You know, Dad in particular. But I always say, people will love you until they get to know you, and then if you're a person of strong conviction and character, people are going to be offended and oppose you. That's it's correct. just what happens. So I think that's exactly where we are here. I will right, pick up in uh, 1120 next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.